Let's get some analysis now with former Trump White House Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Matthews and former Biden 2020 campaign senior advisor Alencia Johnson. Thank you both so much for being here. Sarah, we should point out you're not backing your former boss uh, in the primary. You're behind uh, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Uh, I'm wondering, though, if Donald Trump wins Iowa by 20 or 30 points, the way that polls are trending right now, is this race over? Obviously, we're still going to have other voting contests after that. Nikki Haley is performing well in New Hampshire and in South Carolina right now. So I think that um, her best bet is to bank on those states, obviously. And somewhere like Iowa, the vote is pretty divided because Ron DeSantis is polling well there as well. But um, his campaign is now kind of a one-state strategy solely focused on Iowa. Chris Christie, who's still in the race, is a one-state strategy solely focused on New Hampshire. But Nikki Haley's at play in multiple states. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, I don't know if it's going to be enough to overtake Trump. Right now, there's still too many people in the race. And even if all these other folks dropped out and backed Nikki Haley, his lead just might be too commanding for them to overtake her. But I have long said that the best way to defeat Donald Trump in the primary is to have one alternative to challenge him. And right now, it seems like no one's going to drop out and coalesce around that one person. Uh, Alencia, on the other side, uh, a president going into a reelection effort never wants to be associated with the word impeachment, right? Mm -hmm. But paradoxically, this could wind up helping Joe Biden. Yeah, it absolutely could help Joe Biden because a lot of American people see this as a political sham investigation. And what we're paying attention to are those 18 Republican members of Congress who were elected in Biden-held districts, right? They voted for this inquiry. That might be helpful for them to get Republican donors to help them with their reelection campaign. However, for Democrats, that is motivation for us in the general election as well the re-election next year to make sure that they have to be held accountable for this. Additionally, American people are concerned about Congress doing something around the economy. They are concerned about what's happening around abortion rights, voting rights, the list goes on and on and on. And so these sham investigations versus actually having a conversation about what the American people want does help uh, Democrats in the long run. And you mentioned abortion rights. Of course, that has been very motivating for Democrats. Mm -hmm. It looks like um, the so-called soft landing to avoid a recession could happen. And then you have, you know, Biden running against, you know, a, a likely um, uh, winner of the Republican nominee, Donald Trump, who has nearly 100 criminal charges, right, who said he's going to be a dictator on day one for one day. You've got to take him at his word. Absolutely. Why is Biden, how do you explain why, how Biden is still running behind, though, from Trump, if you look at some of the latest polls. Yeah, you know, look, polling this early on, it still doesn't have a key, a full indicator of how voters are going to vote come a year from now. A lot of things can happen within this year. I will say, I think it is a compounded poll that we are looking at. If you take Biden out of the equation and look at the issues that the Democratic Party platform stands on, those are winning issue. They're the issues. There are concerns with President Biden that I do think he can overcome, and voters are taking that into account as they're, uh, you know, responding to some of this polling. I will say this, should the campaign be extremely worried? I wouldn't say so, but I do think the Biden re-election campaign has to pay attention to these numbers and adjust accordingly and listen to our coalition, our very diverse coalition that has some very real concerns. Sarah, uh, going back to Donald Trump for a moment, we have some sound from former House Speaker Paul Ryan. Let's listen. Historically speaking, all of his tendencies are, you know, basically where narcissism takes him, which is whatever makes him popular, or makes him feel good at any given moment. And he, and he doesn't think in, in, in classical liberal 
conservative terms. He thinks in, in an authoritarian way, and he's been able to get a, a, a big chunk of the Republican base to follow him because, you know, he's the culture warrior. How significant is that attachment that certain voters have to Donald Trump? Because Ryan mentions culture warrior. Ron DeSantis is running on culture war issues, but he's not having the same kind of penetration with those voters. What do you think would work for someone like Ron DeSantis at this point? I think it's almost too little too late for someone like Ron DeSantis. Obviously, we've seen him become more aggressive in um, his attacks against Donald Trump. But I wish he was doing that, you know, six to nine months ago when he was pulling ahead of Donald Trump. But he kind of let Donald Trump define him and create this narrative around him. And I think he was largely untested on a national scale. And we've seen, you know, kind of his personality come forward and him tend to be a bit awkward with voters. So I, I don't know if there's um, anything that he can do to course correct at this point. But I do want to say on um, uh, former Speaker Paul Ryan's comments that when he says things like Donald Trump is an authoritarian narcissist, um, he's saying publicly what a lot of Republicans feel privately. And so I commend him for coming forward and saying these things now. Um, and I know it sounds a bit alarmist to people at home when they hear the word authoritarian being thrown around, but we need to be paying close attention to what Donald Trump is saying on the campaign trail. I think voters have become a little bit desensitized to his crazy statements, but he is using authoritarian rhetoric, saying things like, let's do away with parts of the Constitution, that he's going to weaponize the DOJ to enact revenge on his enemies. And so I think that it's um, encouraging to see Republicans like uh, the former speaker come forward and um, highlight these things. But obviously, Donald Trump still has a hold on the base, which is about 30 to 40 percent of the Republican Party. So it will be tough to defeat him in a primary. Well, and then are any of these Republicans going to get behind Joe Biden if Donald Trump becomes the nomination? So they can continue to make these cases about who Donald Trump will be. But then what are they going to do in the general? Are they going to support the Democrat? Because that's the only other option. That's true. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah Matthews and Lindsay Johnson. Thank you. We did hear from Paul Ryan, the former House Speaker, who we don't normally hear from, uh, talking a little bit about uh, Donald Trump. And it kind of plays into this entire um, theme that we're talking about here. Uh, and, and that would be kind of authoritarianism and some of the things uh, that we've seen from, from Trump over the years. Take a look at what Ryan had to say. Historically speaking, all of his tendencies are, you know, basically where narcissism takes him, which is whatever makes him popular, or makes him feel good at any given moment. And he, and he doesn't think in, in, in classical liberal conservative terms. He thinks in, in an authoritarian way. And he's been able to get a, a, a big chunk of the Republican base to follow him because, you know, he's the culture warrior. Doug? Were you surprised he came out and said that? I was a little surprised. No, I, I wasn't. It's what he's been saying privately for a long time, and he's obviously in a place where he can say these things. I was never critical of Paul Ryan for not speaking out when he was speaker, as so many called for him to do, because the reality is what would have happened to Paul Ryan is exactly what we saw happen with Kevin McCarthy. And where does that get anybody? Nowhere. <laughs> um, but clearly he has an insight to Trump in a way that most people don't because of his negotiations and dealing with Trump when he was when he was speaker, he knows what he's talking about in a way that a lot of people don't. Oh, I don't think that he has insight that others don't. I think others have very good insight into Trump. They just don't want to say it out loud. Oh, that's that's very fair. <laughs> right. That's very fair. And so, you know, Paul Ryan saying this and, and DeSantis and others going after Trump now is too late. 
because this is the whole thing, right? If they had done this, even Paul Ryan, if he really wanted to help his party, he would have gone out and screamed this from the rooftops well, at the very beginning when the primary was starting to come together. Because I was, I was able to eavesdrop onto Trump. a House Republican conference call that Paul Ryan led where he told his members after the Access Hollywood tape, yeah. if, you want to go, if you want to do anything pro or anti-Trump, you have permission to do whatever you want. And what we've seen, I'll use a reference that I know you'll enjoy, is Kevin McCarthy and a lot of Republicans, Jedi mind-tricked themselves into <laughs> Donald Trump being all things good and powerful. Yeah. Ryan has told his party privately, a lot, a lot of times leaking, that Donald Trump is a bad direction to go. But ultimately, there was nothing he as Speaker could do. Right. Uh, agreed, but even now, publicly, He's, he's saying this now, 32 days before Iowa? Well, I will what, say what that, that, that anyone who has spoken out has been systematically and methodically um, basically excised uh, from the party and ostracized. It's a, a great way. place to be, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's sunny, it's warm. But you, but you know saying what? Bring you drinks. It could be because not too many people have done it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I actually think there are more than you think. It's just that it hasn't happened en masse. Yeah, and so exactly. the result is exactly. that they've all been That's exactly isolated. right.